If you asked me what the one thing was I missed most about the private sector, I'd probably say it's the bathroom breaks. Whenever a task became too frustrating or nature simply called, I could stand up and walk away without a second thought. Now, I plan them like covert ops missions. Sometimes, the Mission Impossible theme plays in my head. Students are expected to learn in a structured environment, but as a consequence, teachers are expected to work where every minute is accounted for. I recorded a typical Wednesday as a way to log each event. If you remember the first episode, my day starts at 8 a.m. in front of the auditorium. Here I am first thing in the morning at the auditorium, and uh, I must be doing my job really well because there's no one here. Oh, bad messy. Nice little echo there. I usually stay late the previous day to get my classroom ready for the morning, since duty runs to the first bell. Power walking down the halls, I make it to my room at 8.32 to set up my laptop. From 8.45 to 11.30 is first, second, and third periods, introducing lessons, catching up on absent students, putting out small behavioral fires, and generally monitoring the class. I squeeze one of those stealthy bathroom breaks in between one of them. I have a desk, but no chair. I had one at the beginning of the year, but frankly, I never used it. 11.30 to 12.16 is lunch, a perfect window of time to breathe, recover, and peek at email if I see something critical pass by my phone. I plunge back in at 12.22 with fourth period. At 2.16, fifth period ends, and after ushering the students from the room, I head down the hall to our team's usual hangout classroom. From 2.22 to 3.13, we plan our next lessons, hash out differences of opinion, collaborate on ideas, calibrate our grading standards, grade a few papers, or discuss pain points when our students struggle with a tough concept. 3.13 always sneaks up on us, as the bell usually interrupts a conversation or two. At 3.19, I begin the final lesson of the day. The last bell rings at 4.10, giving me a few minutes before my after-school tutoring session begins at 4.15, where I assist students from all teachers with missing work, absent work, or work that just didn't click the first time around. Sign a few tutoring bus passes, say a few goodbyes, and my day ends at 5.30. I wouldn't blame you for thinking that this itinerary is what burns teachers out, but it's the average workday for us. The schedule isn't on my mind at all. It's the one that didn't make it on my list that has my attention. So, let's pretend like I stayed, and let's keep the clock rolling. Let's add another 10 minutes for clubs that need recommendations for student behavior. Let's add maybe five minutes to go get some hall passes, another 30 to 45 minutes to be able to email parents about their children failing. Let's add on another 10 or 15 minutes for paperwork that the office needs, and in my case, needed yesterday. Another 10 or 15 minutes to be able to get together work for students in in-school suspension. Anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to fill out accommodation forms or observation updates on students who have different needs. Anywhere from an hour to an hour 30 minutes in order to get lesson plans collected and submitted for grading. By that time, I've definitely missed dinner. And in some cases, it's even more extreme than that. It's... 9.17 at night, and I'm still here at the school. <laughs> what am I doing here? Instructor, mentor, counselor, cheerleader, secretary. I've heard that teachers are many roles wrapped into one. For a lot of them, I can be the same thing at one time. But for others, that just isn't possible. So how do you make the impossible possible? I have to say that I'm proud of this success story, or rather, we are proud. In this episode, we discuss the power of team. As they say, 
Teamwork makes the dream work. But just because it fits on a motivational poster with a stock photo doesn't mean you should always believe it. So, does teamwork actually make the dream work? And what happens when we aren't working toward the same dream? I'm Neil Plemons, and this is Burnout, a young teacher's podcast about finding work-life balance in a profession that demands everything. If I didn't witness it with my own eyes, I would have said that teachers working as a legitimate team was a cruel joke. Teaching is as much art as it is a science, and when every artist has the same role to play, it's like having six actors, all playing the lead role of Hamlet, all at the same time. Or imagine if you were to have a single canvas, and were being asked to paint a house. One of us starts painting a ranch-style house, while another begins sketching out a cottage. Another one is going the Impressionist route, while another one of us thinks that a house is merely a building, and what's really important is the concept of home. And home isn't a place, but a feeling. So that one starts painting random modern art shapes that he finds warm or cozy. Maybe that last one's me. See how hard it is? I can't even decide on the right analogy, and I'm just one person. Now imagine six of us trying to decide the best way to teach theme or tone or whatever comes across our lesson plan that week. And sure, you can argue that what I'm suggesting isn't worth the hassle, that every teacher has a different style, but that spirals out of the team mentality pretty quickly. Style becomes a lesson, lessons need materials, and those materials don't work for everyone. So once again, I'm stuck at the school until 9.17 at night, getting ready for the next performance. Since this was my first year, I wanted to hear from my current team members how life was for them before coming on board our current professional learning community, or better known as PLCs at the Cool Kids Table of Education. My first team here was awful. Like, awful. That's Maisie. She joined the team last I, year. By the end of the year, my first year here, I was working almost entirely by myself. And we would meet through email so that we could check it off the box. And <laughs> it was terrible. It was, I was so burnt out in my first year here. But I really was because I was, I was having to get here at 6 a.m. to get the stuff for my class. I was having to stay until 6 or 7 to get things graded and planned. And it was hurting my home life, you know, having to turn my kids away crying on the weekend because I have all this work to do. And I mean, it ate me up inside and, you know, to be drowning and, and to to be utterly alone in it because there's no one to help you and there's no one to turn to and share this with. I mean, yeah, there's a hallway full of teachers, but there, I didn't know anybody. I, I had no teammates that I could turn to, you know? And it's like, you don't want to just go up to someone and just start complaining. That's Jessica. <laughs> she was a part of the original team back before they adopted the new philosophy. And that was me two years ago. That was the year I was like, I can't do this again. I cannot go about doing this the same way that I've done because I, like Maisie said, I was here all the time. Mm -hmm. I was here before school early, after school late, working weekends. I worked all weekend long grading. You know, it's ridiculous. I could see why they were so desperate to try something, anything, else. So last year, whether you were a new addition to the team like Maisie, or a current member that just wanted more, like Jessica, they decided to try something different, really different, 
This wasn't teamwork by name only. The group synced every assignment, every lesson, met nearly every day of the week during plan time, openly discussed weaknesses and traded secrets. They even traded student assignments to grade more objectively and just to see how the grade was performing rather than any one classroom. If you're not in public education, it's tough to appreciate just how rare this mentality is. Sure, we go to meetings together, have lunch together, maybe even hang out as friends outside of the classroom. But once the bell rings, it's just you and the students. All the help, encouragement, and support gets severed as soon as that door swings closed. I can't picture a football team sharing the same camaraderie if all the team building was off the field, but as soon as they started the game, they only sent one player out. The idea of a team becomes, well, artificial. It encourages solitude and breeds self-reliance. Yet every once in a while, a group of teachers help each other out, even though they'll never practice their craft together. That was my team before it was my team. And then came the call. And then we got the phone call. There was a little bit of a trepidation because- Change is hard. It was working so well and we were friends and we were getting along and it, you know, it, it was easy and it made our lives easier. You know, our PLC were places that we could go for a little bit of respite in between classes and it was nice. So there was that fear of like, oh, what is adding these new people going to do to that? Because you don't know personalities and you don't know, we didn't really know anything about you guys except for what we saw on Facebook. I could understand their hesitation, but I didn't see it when we met for the first time at the bookstore cafe. I think when I first got, because I know I was the first one to get to Barnes & Nobles, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on time. Everybody's going to be there before me. And then I remember as people kept walking in, and then as you walked in, I was like, oh, great. This is great. There's someone my age. That's Jackie, the other newbie like myself. You looked the same age as me, although yes, I have experience. I don't have that much. Like I wasn't at like that five year mark where I felt comfortable in everything. You know, I was still new to the profession and I was like, well, I wonder if he's top before he's really young. When we all pulled out our notebooks and you, and you pulled out your phone, I just, my, my first thought was, oh my gosh, he's a tech savvy person. Like this is wonderful. So I actually got really excited. And then with everybody else, you know, I thought everybody else seemed very welcoming. And so I, I was actually really excited to be on a, a new team with new people. So I, my first impression was great. Over two days, we plotted out the major milestones of the entire year, got to move past simple introductions and nerded out over literature. When I left, I immediately called my wife with excitement. I had stumbled into the dream team. And then the first milestone became a pothole. The book we chose for the first of the year the one thing that everything was planned around, not enough copies. Whenever we realized that there weren't enough copies of, of the curriculum that we were going to teach first, and then it was decided, okay, we're gonna do something different, the, the book clubs. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, detrimental to Jackie and I's trust. I know a decision needed to be made very quickly because we were already down to the, the you know, yeah. 11th hour of that. But like when that decision was made, it was very, I don't, I don't want to say like hurtful, but it was something where we started to realize, well, are, are we equal members in this? But the fact that we weren't brought in at all, it was a defining moment mm -hmm. in, in that team early on. To all of a sudden throw out everything that we had planned for reading Lord of the Flies, knowing that this was the first time I've taught English too, 
and having that set plan and then just completely throwing everything away, it scared me to death. I felt overwhelmed. I felt almost like our opinion didn't matter. And I think that's whenever I started really doubting if I was gonna really get along with this team. Everything planned at the bookstore, gone. The slate was wiped clean and a new plan was put in place. Betrayal isn't the right word. There wasn't a relationship there to be betrayed, but whatever bridge that was being built between the new and the old was burned down that day. What was kind of the thought process from there all the way to emergency? Panic. <laughs> Panic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I, don't, you know, I don't. It was wrong, you know. But at the same, you know, that we weren't, you know, thoughtful about including you guys. However, it was not done on purpose at all. Um, yeah. You know, it was. I don't just, think, and, right, and I, I don't at all what you think panic, is malicious. And it was just like a lot of the times, and this is what would happen last year sometimes, um, is that we would talk and get ideas in the hallway or just like randomly, and like then you didn't know who you shared the idea with, and you think you shared it with everybody, and actuality you didn't, and so it was just like panic, like what do we do? That natural push to become self-reliant, it won. I was now in survival mode. And so it was the other newest member, Jackie. Because everything was very last minute or we would make a plan and then it would completely change. And not all of us would be on the same page, but yet we were, we were all about common teaching, common grading, but I didn't see that. Jackie and I decided to work together on the original plan as best we could. Since it went against the team, we decided not to tell anyone. Jackie and I were then doing the the original plan under the radar without mentioning that. And yeah, that was entirely wrong. It, but it was us thinking, well, if the other idea wasn't shared, then why is it our duty to share what we're doing now? But by the, no means was that fun. <laughs> like we, yeah. we had to work our butts off to get that, that yeah. material ready each day. And it was hard. Well, it was really hard. And in essence, I mean, you were still covering the same skills. But then it does start to snowball. And then yeah. Right. Because, yeah, because, and, and that's where the communication errors start to really take effect. Because we're, where it could have been discussed, you know, like, we didn't mean to leave you guys out. We were just trying to make a decision, you know, on the spot. And, okay, well, how can we fix it? it you know, then you guys make your decision, and then we're like what's up with that? Why are you changing things? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And honestly, and until you said something just now, I did not know. There's still so much isolation. Like, even though I'm right next to Veronica and Zito, I'm in my own world in here. Yeah. And I have my things I have to do that have nothing to do with anybody else. And, you know, my own little fires that I have to put out, and especially at the beginning of the year, and so it was just like, decision made, cool, moving on. In any normal setting, that would have been that. But our group kept trying to work like a united front. But the differences in our plans was starting to show. As the weeks went by, and I kind of started feeling as if they were questioning us, and, and not, not in front of us, but kind of like indirectly 
questioning us, kept trying to bring up like, you know, if you're doing something, if you have ideas, share it. And that's when I started feeling the guilt. And I really started feeling like, okay, Neil, we should probably say something. For the original team that was already uncertain about our commitment, the awkward silences from the new kids on the block became too much. It was just kind of, I think, growing animosity on both yes. sides yeah. because nobody would freaking talk about it. Yes. And, and then the more people just wanted to tighten the reins even more. Finally, after weeks of side glances and closed door conversations in each camp, Maisie brought up the elephant in the room. You you would express that that concern in the meeting. And I yeah. and I think you're approaching it from this angle of this really needs to be aired out. Like we really need to come clean about this. Yeah. And I was approaching it from Really, we're bringing this up in like the last few minutes when we don't actually have a chance to hash this out. And so that's where I, that's why I was dead quiet and Jackie came forward with what we had been doing. When the first common grading assignment happened, that's when I feel like they hated us. They were just, they didn't understand what was going on. And I think because they were kind of <laughs> blindsided by our, oh my gosh, our decision to just steer away from the book club thing, I think that's when I felt really bad. I felt like I had just lost all their trust. And this is me being one of those, I guess it's my color, my blue, caring what other people think and wanting to please other people and to not please them and to kind of upset, I guess, Maisie and in that sense that we kind of, isolated ourselves from the team in order to benefit our students, which ends up, it did end up benefiting them. But I think that's where I felt like what we did was, was definitely worth it. And it was worth me feeling the guilt, but I, I felt more relieved once we shared with them why we did it in the first place. And then once again, it was just like all of us with good intentions, but yeah, I I was being a jerk and bullheaded because that's my personality. Sometimes whenever, mm. whenever I feel, whenever I feel injustice, <laughs> like a disjustice or injustice has been done to me, that's whenever I I get really like. Uh, well, that's where the, we're the same. Yeah. Yes, we're also the same personality type. All three of us. Yes. Yes. And that's that right. might also be kind of like we're just that's we, kind we, of we so you have this inner in like close down this inner yeah. anger that just shuts down that's what yeah i think people don't understand yeah. about yeah. you know introverts, introverts like us <laughs> we still have passion oh, it's we just have a ton shown of passion. differently yes and, and i was also trying not to have a panic attack and pass out while i was confronting the entire group <laughs> right i know seriously the saying that like took a lot of guts and i was just, yeah i don't know if you guys noticed but i was just like looking at my notes because of course i had to spend my lunch period making notes so that i would know what to and say and of course i was like well she's doing it so i don't have to do it <laughs> you know i was just trying to express something that was a concern that you know if we are going to model our team a certain way we need to get back on track with that model and try to figure out you know how we can all do what we need to do because we all are different teachers and we have different you know styles but also still provide the kids with the same education and that was that's the goal is that your kids are getting the same as mine and mine the same as Scott's and everybody else's and that so they can go to each other and they can you know go to you my kids can go to you and you know what we're doing and you know how to help them and it lifts the load so it you're not having to have tutoring load. sessions every day after school and before school. You know, you can really try to 
equally share those things yeah. because otherwise it's just you drown with all of the work yeah and we had seen the benefits and I think that was we were like why don't you see the benefits why don't you see yeah. it was just, yours, it, yours is more from a perspective of it's a proven fact where uh, yeah. from Jackie and I my perspective was it's a leap of faith yes and it's a completely yeah. different perspective that way and I, yeah, and that's when it came in with with the email because that's where it's like I wanted to say something in the meeting, but there was so little time left. Mm-hmm. So then that's when I constructed the email. It's like this is not a slight towards the team. This is me just saying if I walk into my classroom, I wouldn't feel comfortable with what I teach. The email, not my finest moment, but the issue was out in the open, and I needed to say my piece about it. First and foremost, let me apologize for my lack of honesty and opinions. If it comes as any comfort, my efforts, like any decision I make, are driven by doing what is best for our students. While I don't think any of us disagree on this philosophy, I believe I found that the only anchor in this ocean that is my career have been plans, not scripted, not obsessively detailed, but something that I can count on for the next day when I walk into my classroom. I believe that being comfortable in one's own classroom should be the one of the fundamental tenets of teaching. When we first met as a team, I felt we took a whole day at Barnes & Noble to discuss the books for this year, and less than a planning period to tear it down for one that had no vote. For the experienced, it may be easy to forget how difficult teaching was during that first year. Please understand that when you say, it'll be okay, there is an implied, because it has gone just fine in the past. I have no past, which means my greatest strength is the future, a future that regardless of the classroom, students are asked to read, to annotate, to analyze, to read. How the instructor chooses to approach this does not give an inequitable education that is within our control. We all want honesty and transparency, and I have failed to uphold these beliefs. For that, I am sorry. But I believe that we can all agree that if one of us is put in a position of choosing team harmony over student success, then something isn't right. Thank you for listening. Neil. It was, I don't, I don't want to say misinterpreted. It was more about, once again, it was a, a miscommunication between where we were from our perspectives. Because then that's when I know that you yeah. felt very passionately about what I had said. And that's a nice way of saying it, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, because I, I, I don't want to be mean because I, I love you now. Like, that's, like, that's... What what that was was in the past, and yeah. but yeah, and it it was I was I was reading the response, and I was just like, oh my god, this is the exact opposite of what I wanted. Neil, I have to come clean with this if I plan on being productive in future meetings. I took a lot of offense to your email and would like to explain why and try to get some perspective. This is my piece. If you would like to discuss further, then I am happy to oblige. But as you felt it necessary to reach out to us all, I too find it necessary to reach back. This is done with the intention that any miscommunications are ironed out. We need to hash this out so we can move on and do our jobs. To do that, I must express my reaction to what I hope is yet another miscommunication. My question for you is it assumes too much. I take offense to the notion that because I have experience, I lack understanding or any clue as to what is best for my students or what it was like to be a first-year teacher. I feel you misunderstood me on Friday when I raised my concern. It was not and never would be arguing for doing things the same for sameness sake. A thought that is and it would be terribly nice to have a plan that we always stick to and never has to change, 
but I am sorry. That is never going to happen. This is not how this job works. We have to change. We have to adapt to what our kids need and work within the parameters we are given. Which are, you guessed it, because we value your opinion. Our resources I feel like we have expressed that earnestly. The notion that any teacher could forget how difficult this job is and always will be is misguided and naive. It is hard. It's always hard. And if you're not losing sleep at some point, then it is time you hang up your hat. Again, this assumes too much and is insulting. You ask how could a first-year teacher ever hope to achieve The message the of the email seems to me that we have left you in the dark, alone, and with no usable aid, and all you have to push you through is the comfort of your scruples. Where does that leave us? If that is mistaken, then I would like to know. And if my tone seems stern, well, I must say that I did not come to it lightly. But more importantly, what is your solution? I, I'll admit I was scared. I was scared of you. And like... Sweet. <laughs> and, and so that's why like whenever I was tutoring with, with Jessica it was just kind of a natural kind of conversation that flowed afterwards and I think that kind of gave me more of a comfort to then talk to you when you were there and like use Jessica as a shield if you were like gonna come at me bro and, you know, like, like, I just, I... it was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had but I would go through it all over again for what came of it. Our team wasn't the same as the one from the previous year, but it kept the same spirit. Preparing lessons became simple, and I started to bring less work home. I was a first-year teacher that was working like a third or fourth year. It was a success story, but unfortunately the story wasn't over. It was working now, but what happens when new members join again? Halfway through the year, one of our colleagues stepped down during the home stretch of her pregnancy, and our newest member is going through the same growing pains that Jackie and I did. With Brown, um, that, that's, that's why there were times y'all never saw this, but I would actually go to her classroom and double check on her. It wasn't gonna be what it was. It can't be because it's yeah. new. Yes. That's not our reality anymore, and we need to embrace what we have exactly. now. And we have to make adjustments to accommodate what we have now. It, in all honesty, and I'm not trying to talk up our team, because it's the best. It still is. It still is. You know, best doesn't mean that you don't have disagreements. It means that you power through them. Persevere. Persevere. Um, in being, be, coming from both situations where I had one that really worked and then one that we had to kind of struggle through to make it work, but now it's functioning well, and one that just did not function at all. I would rather have the struggle and try to figure out you know, what's going wrong, how can we fix this, and approach it with people who are willing to mm -hmm. fix it. So I think that's what ultimately saved us, is that everybody wanted the same thing. Going back through our year, I stopped seeing us as actors, all cast as the lead role, or artists fighting over a single canvas. Instead, I saw an ocean. If you look close enough, you can see dozens of people struggling to stay afloat. Arms flapping, legs kicking, heads bobbing under every few seconds to resurface for just enough air. It would be crazy to ask them to try and save another, because they'll just try to shove the others down in a desperate attempt to save themselves. Not far off, I see another group in a circle, linked together, taking turns to tread water while others rest. The difference? Well, maybe that the latter group knows how to swim. Hey, no analogy is perfect but mainly that they sought each other out. 
calmly, aiming to not help themselves or even another, but that invisible third party of the team, knowing that in turn, they will get their moments of rest. Production and editing by Neil Plemons. Additional editing support by Christy Plemons. A big thanks to the special guests this week, my entire PLC, Jessica Gott, Maisie Duncan, Jackie Rosales, and a special thanks to those who we didn't get to hear, Sean Zito and Hillary Brown, our newest member. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and now with our brand new shiny website, burnoutpodcast.org. Please check it out. I've spent a lot of time on it. Maybe more than I should have. <laughs>